If you have your Bibles, turn with us to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to conclude chapter 2 today. And um, I don't know how long it's going to take us in chapter 3. But when I first glanced at chapter 2 a couple weeks ago and started reading, I thought this, it kind of reminded me at first of some of our preachers and how our preachers will tell us, you know, I'm coming to a close in about 15 minutes. They're telling us, I- I'm coming to a close in about 15 more minutes. They're saying, they're saying they're coming to a close and we're wondering, when will you close? Well, it, it, it almost seems that way at first glance when you read this, that that's what Paul was doing. But as I got a little further into the study, I realized that's not exactly what's taking place here. Uh, Paul really is encouraging believers in this passage. We've talked uh, two weeks about how uh, he shared the truth of the Antichrist. And today we see where he shares truth for believers. And I, <laughs> I read from uh, George Barna's book this week, um, what Americans believe. And in this book, he gives some shocking statistics. After surveying professing born again believers in America, he discovered that only 52% believe that Satan is a literal being. Do we get that? After surveying professing born-again believers in America, only 52% believe Satan to be a literal being. I don't know. It doesn't seem to shock y'all that much. Uh, hmm. Well, maybe this will. A couple chapters later in the book, he shares some more statistics. He shares that of professing born-again believers that 60%, that is professing born-again believers in America, 60% believe Christians, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, and other religions pray to the same God. Boy, this is discouraging. Or it is to me, it's discouraging that many professing born-again believers are being persuaded away from the truth. Truth is essential to our faith and our growth in who we are and whose we are. So however, what is encouraging is that there are some True born-again believers who know truth is found in the scriptures. And it appears that in the scriptures, the apostle Paul, he seeks to share some encouraging truths for those who are true believers. Look with us here in verses 13 through 17. Chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians. The Bible says, but there's that word that shifts the dynamic of the paragraphs that are being shared that little word but we notice a shift every time we see that word it says here but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you 
He's been talking about the Antichrist. He's been talking about how they are ruined and, and, and those who follow him would be ruined. But then he says, but, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and behold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts. And establish you in every good word and work. This is God's holy word. God, as we come before you today, we thank you for what you've done in our lives. And we thank you for the change that you've made in so many lives. And God, now we pray that according to your word, that we are going to trust you, that you establish us in your word and our work. God, help us to be who you would have us to be. Help us to do what you would have us to do. And God, may you be glorified in everything. God, we pray that if there's one among us today who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, that today they would surrender their life to you, that they would trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. For we know, God, that if they just call out to you, that they would be saved. So now, God, have your way. And we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we noticed some truths that the Apostle Paul shared about the Antichrist. First, we, we, note, we took notice of his character. Now, while Paul called him the man of sin, the son of perdition... He also shared that the Antichrist opposed all that was of God. He, his character opposes the very character of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know this because in the text, the Bible teaches us that, that he sought to be exalted. And we know our, that's not the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we find that to be a complete opposite or in complete opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus didn't come to do his own will. He came to do the will of the Father who sent him. Scripture teaches us in Philippians 2 and 6 that Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made of himself of no reputation, coming in the or take taking on the form of a bondservant and and coming in the likeness of, of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even the death of the cross. You know, we, we read that sometimes and we don't always get its significance. When it says he come to the point of death, he's telling us here that he was willing to die. But even Christ, the son of God, was willing to die a shameful, a humiliating sinner's death for you and I. He humbled himself. So we see that the character of the Antichrist is in complete opposition to the character of God. 
But second, we also saw his challenges last time. We saw that the the Antichrist does face challenges. and, And one of the challenges is that he's restricted. That God is a restrainer. And and the Antichrist can't do anything without God allowing him to do it. And even if the person is alive today, I don't know if he is. But if he is alive today, he is still being restrained. He can't do no more than God would have led him. And he can't do anything until... God allows it. Here's the sad part. Because of sin in the world, there's coming a day when God will step aside. He'll step out of his way and he'll let him have his way. But good news is, (laughs) he's going to face the challenge of being ruined. He doesn't even know it right now. But he's already ruined. His fate is sealed. And he is condemned. For all eternity. You know chances are. (laughs) There were a lot of people. Who heard Paul's teaching. Or read Paul's teaching in Paul's day. And they still refused to embrace. The truth of his teaching of the Antichrist. And according to Barna's polls. It's apparent that there's still today. Many who or who refuse to embrace the truth of scripture and for those of us who have and those of us who are embracing the scripture or its truth I want to encourage us today to let's continue to embrace it why because it's truth that's reason enough to embrace it it is the truth the bible declares in first peter 1 and 25 that the word of the lord endures forever so what we can know is that the word of god is truth the holy scriptures are the word of the lord so let's continue to embrace jesus as god's only begotten son because scripture says so let's continue to embrace the virgin birth of our lord jesus christ because scripture says so let's continue to embrace that, that, that he lived a sinless life. Let's continue to embrace that he died for the sin of the world. Let's continue to embrace that he rose on the third day, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Let's continue to embrace that he's coming back to receive us to himself. Let's continue to embrace that for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, in the house of the Lord, we will dwell forever. Oh, let's continue to embrace this truth so when we are confronted by unbelievers continue to embrace the truth of the word of God when we are challenged on our job continue to embrace the truth of God's word and when we are charged to go along when even when it's unethical or immoral I challenge you I charge you I, I encourage you today to continue to embrace the truth of God's word Because embracing the truth of God's word is vital. It's vital for every true believer. Why? Because the apostle Paul tells us we are chosen by God. The apostle Paul begins this section with with a real contrast from the previous verses in chapter 2. And we see this in verse 13. He says, but we are bound to give thanks to you always. Thanks to God for you always. Now, when we look at this, 
he says we. We got to catch that. You have to go back to chapter 1 to find out who the we is. And the we is Paul himself, Silvanus, and Timothy. But he begins by calling the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Now, why? Why is he calling them brethren, beloved of the Lord? Was it because there was something special about them? Was it because they had come from the right family? Was it because they had the right skin color? Or could it have been just the luck of the draw? Well, no, neither one of those answers would suffice. It was simply because they believed. He, they believed that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and that he came from, he came to earth to provide forgiveness of sin. They believed that Jesus came to save them from the penalty of death and the judgment to come. They believed that Jesus came to give them eternal life and to give them love, joy, peace, and hope as they walk in a newness of life. So because of that, Paul calls them brethren, beloved of the Lord. What's interesting is that Paul says that God from the beginning chose you. God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. Now this may be confusing for some, but we, we can't overthink this. If we overthink this, we'll get confused and we'll try to confuse others. Instead, we must just read God's word and, and trust it. If God is God, and he is. If God is omniscient, and he is. Then this means that God saw us as saved before we were ever born. If he chose me from... From the beginning, he saw me as saved before I come from the womb. Amen. <laughs> Some of you are a little confused about that, aren't you? He chose us to be saved before he spoke the world into existence. <laughs> what did we have to do to gain this salvation? What did we have to do to be saved? All we had to do was believe. And because we believe, he has sanctified us through his spirit and our belief in the truth. In other words, he has chosen us. He has separated us. He has set us apart for himself because we have believed the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, God did the same for Israel. God created mankind to have an intimate relationship with man. He saw, but God saw man wandering farther and farther away from him. But this didn't catch God by surprise. You know, he knew before he spoke the world into existence that Adam would disobey him. He knew that man would go so far as to ignore him because they'd done what was right in their own eyes. God knew that he would have to destroy the earth and start all over. He knew Noah's descendants would try to build a tower to heaven and he would have to confound their language and scatter them all across the face of the earth. 
He knew that he would call Abram from his family, a family who worshiped many gods, to follow him by faith. And Abram's descendants would become known as the children of Israel. God chose them not because they were special, but because he knew Abram would believe. And he made a covenant with them because Abram believed. And his covenant was to be their God and they would be his people. You know, when we read that we're chosen before the foundation of the earth, <laughs> when, we chose, when we read that we've been chosen from the beginning, it, it brings some confusion because we want to think that God chose people for heaven and God chose people for hell. But that's not what the scripture is saying and that's not what I'm teaching. What I want you to understand is God chose us from the beginning. Think of it this way. Everybody in this church is not saved. And so those, they just say God from the very beginning chose everyone who is part of our church. But it's those who chose to walk through this door because outside it would say those who have, he has called. But once we walk through the door of opportunity, when we believe, we can look back and we can see chosen. So the ones who are inside are the ones that were chosen from the very beginning when everybody was called from the beginning. Everybody, no, no one will stand before God without, with an excuse. We're all going to stand before God with, with, without excuse. And those who stand before him lost, they had every opportunity that those who were chosen had. We have to believe. Some will choose not to believe. And some will choose to believe. You know, here's the thing. This ought to really excite us. This ought to really excite us. Why? Just to know that God of heaven, the God of heaven and earth, the God who spoke the world into existence, the God who restricts and restrains, the God who redeems and restores, he has chosen us. Before the foundation of the world, he had us in his heart. And because he had us in his heart, he has pursued after us. He has pursued after us to make us his own. He has pursued us because by faith we have believed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he has chosen us and pursued us to sanctify us by placing his spirit within us. And, and because his spirit lives and abides within us, he has made us his own chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that we may proclaim the praises of him who has called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light and as we walk in his marvelous light our lives are to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ folks we've been chosen and that ought to excite us that the God of heaven and earth saw us before we even knew who we were he saw us in our need for salvation and he chose us for salvation. Oh, if you're not if you're hearing you're lost, this ought to really ring a bell into your heart because before the foundation of the earth, God saw you in your sinfulness and he saw this day that the gospel would be preached to you so that you would have an opportunity to believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior. So now the question arises. 
How do we glorify Jesus with our lives? How do we go about this? The Apostle Paul exhorts the believers in Thessalonica that since now that they know that they've been chosen by God from the beginning for salvation, they are now to stand fast and hold to the traditions which they were taught, whether by word or our epistle, Paul says. Paul was telling them to cling to the word of God. He uses the word traditions here. Paul doesn't say, though, to hold to the traditions of men. Instead, he says to hold fast to the traditions that they were taught, whether by word or by this epistle. He's simply saying to cling to all of God's word. And whether it was written to them or whether it was taught to them, Paul is exhorting them to cling to God's word and not the words of man. Paul understood. He understood that our adversary, the devil, is hard at work. He walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Paul knew that even if the Antichrist did not come during his time on earth, that our adversary, the devil, has minions. Y'all know what minions are, don't you? Those little things that look just like them, that follow them all around. You know, the devil has principalities. He has powers. He has rulers of darkness. And he has spiritual hosts of wickedness seeking to deceive and to destroy us right now. And many will follow him. He knew our adversary would use them to spew false doctrines out to us. And and they would preach with their own words with a charisma that, that could charm any listener who's not grounded in the word of God. So Paul's exhorting them to cling to the truth, to cling to the word of God. I read about a disputer, a stubborn disputer who was unconvinced of truth that President Lincoln had shared. So Lincoln asked the disputer how many legs has a cow? The disputer says four of course. Lincoln's agreed. That's right. Now suppose you call the cow's tail a leg. How many legs would the cow then have? This disputer confidently says five (laughs) and then Lincoln says to him now that's where you're wrong because calling a cow's leg a cow's tail a leg doesn't make it a leg and the world calling God's word false doesn't make it false that's why we cling to God's word. We must be able to recognize when we're hearing the truth or hearing a false word just because someone says something that sounds like it should be in the word of God doesn't mean it's in the word of God. I've learned that many people believe and they repeat things that they get out of the Bible. Yes, they get it out of the Bible because you can't find it nowhere in the Bible. Commentator Leon Moore stated the gospel is not of human origin. And the preacher is not at liberty to substitute his own thoughts for that which he has received. Folks, we've received the word of God. And it doesn't matter what I think. Sunday school teachers, it doesn't matter what your class thinks. It doesn't matter what place they, if they try to trap you, you tell them the word of God. For the word of God is truth. 
We believe it over anything and over anyone. <laughs> well, folks, we who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're chosen for salvation. We're set apart for himself by he, the Holy Spirit, because we have believed the truth of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we should walk in his steps. And we walk in his steps when we cling to the word of God. And to cling to the word of God is not to just carry it around in some book form. This isn't clinging to the word of God. To cling to the word of God is not being devoted to a particular translation and refusing to look at any other. And there's preachers all over the world that say there's only one translation that you should read out of just as if that was the, the original language. And I want to assure you, King James is not the original author of our word. God's word was written in Hebrew and it was written in Aramaic and it was written in Greek. It wasn't written in King James language in 1611. He was a heathen himself. It was a political ploy. And I don't care what any other preacher tells you. It's okay if you want to read the King James. But don't knock anybody for reading a different translation. Listen, King James is what I grew up on. My study material, most of it is King James material. I love King James. It's beautiful. It's poetic. And if you read it and you read it long enough, it begins to make sense. But I also know it presents challenges for our younger generation. 1611 to 2022, that's a long span of time. You're talking about 400 and, and what? And somebody, some mathematician, 470 years or 462 years. Ever what it is, it's a long time and we don't talk that way anymore. And as a matter of fact, if you got a 1611 copy of the King James, you couldn't read it anyway. Even the English people don't talk that way anymore. So I'm not knocking that translation. I'm knocking the false teaching. That's the only translation that God will honor. There are other translations. I'm more concerned about you reading the Bible than having a particular translation. Because I know what most young people would do. They'll take a King James translation if you buy it and they'll set it on a shelf and it'll collect dust. I'd rather them have a, a translation like the CSB or the ESV or, or they'd have the NLT and they read it. Even if they have to use the message, they at least will read it and it'll get in their lives. Listen, we can't get hung up on translations. What we get hung up on is the word of God. That's where we want to be hung up, is on the word of God. How do we do this? We cling to his word when we love the word of God, when we live the word of God, when we share the word of God. To love the word of God is to be devoted to the truth of the word of God. To love the word of God is not just to read it, but to embrace it and to spend time in it. To live the word of God is to obey the word of God. It's, it's to make it a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And that we would hide it in our hearts so that we would not sin against God. To share the word of God is to be true to the word of God to share his truth it's not that we sugarcoat it we don't water it down 2 Timothy 3 16 through 17 tells us all scripture all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for creation for instruction in righteousness all scripture so we can't avoid 
the tough passages. <laughs> Those passages, Brother Marcus has reminded me several times in Bible study, when I can't pronounce the names, and I just want to just skip over it, it's in the Word of God. It's given us for a purpose. It's inspired by God. Even when we can't pronounce the words of it, it's inspired. And it's profitable. It's profitable to us. Yes. So we're not to buckle under the world and the world's enticements about the scripture. You know what they say? This book is dated. They say this book is, it's of no use any longer. This book, they say it doesn't help anyone in this world. But this is the only help that we'll find in this world. We're not to buckle under the world's enticements. We're not to cave in as followers of the Antichrist will do. We are to stand fast and cling to the word of God, no matter the opposition that may come with it. So, let me encourage us today. Let's cling to God's word. No matter what comes our way, no matter what we must face in this life, let's cling to the word of God. And when we do, I'm confident that we will find that the Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who loves us. <laughs> and by his grace, he has given us an everlasting hope. He will comfort us. He will comfort our hearts and he will establish us in every good word and work. Because he will be glorified and his son will be magnified. As they come to prepare this song of invitation, I hope, I hope this message come out encouraging to you who are believers. I know the message was targeted to you. I hope you didn't sense A rebuke in this message. If you did, it wasn't my intention. And I would say the Holy Spirit is trying to say something to you. I'm not going to apologize for this word. I'm not going to apologize for this message because I believe God gave it to me. But what I would say is cling to God's word. You've been chosen by God. To cling to his word and his word to tell you how to glorify him. His word to tell us how to magnify Jesus. And his word promises, promises us that if God is glorified, Christ is magnified, we his people will be edified. But you who are here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to say to you as every head's bowed, every eye's closed, that there is coming a day when God will step aside and give the Antichrist the freedom to deceive in a powerful way. So I would encourage you today to get to know this man, Jesus. Let him change your world right now. Before the day comes that the Antichrist deceives you. Would you?
Would you come?